You're checking out the Nifty Q Show. All right, good morning, good evening, good night. Welcome into the Nifty Q Show. We're interviewing founders, leaders, and builders in the non-fungible token industry. Today, I'm sitting with my fellow DGen and close friend, Mike Finch, managing partner at Parada Capital. We'll be touching on current market sentiments, how big VC funds are now looking at the NFT space, identifying future trends to navigate the market, and much more. And yeah, I'm, I'm coming aboard uh, the Parada Capital ship here, so I got to do, do my uh, little salute, man. How's it going here today, bro? It's going good good man it's going good no no complaints having fun no complaints we're having fun we're going to talk a little yuga labs we're going to talk a little bit uh, about your experience uh, and what you're doing with your your uh, capital management firm uh, parada capital that's the biggest conversation i want to have is like having you kind of explain maybe in in easy terms because you you do so in, in such a good way how like bigger funds are looking at uh, the, the NFT space, right? Because we're all kind of, at least, you know, the people in the chat here, we're all kind of just degens, you know, we're, we're retail traders. We want to know how the bigger players in the space affect us, you know, uh, long term. So that's going to be probably the biggest combo, man. Uh, but yeah, we were, we were touching on a little, little pirates baseball before. How, how are you doing in, in regular life, my, my brother? I'm just, uh, I'm just happy that, you know, pirates, we don't really talk about, obviously, in Pittsburgh. Um, docked myself a little bit there. But um, just happy the Pens won after three overtimes the other day. And family's good. It's springtime here. So, like I said, no complaints. I mean, we've, we've kind of made it through the, uh, the IRL winter. If you will. Uh, absolutely, man. It, it, getting some sun in Pittsburgh uh, is, is a good thing as well, as, as we always know. Uh, we go way back, as you can tell. Me and Mike are just like talking about uh, some some Discord things or, or meeting on Twitter. Uh, me and Mike go, go way back all the way to, to our high school days. So it's it's been a, uh, a fun ride. Uh, we'll, we'll not touch on uh, ICO alert uh, too much. Uh, it's fun stories, but I don't want to be in that rabbit hole for too long. Yeah, uh, I, dude, I want to read off a, a, a tweet here to, to get this conversation started. Uh, just for, just a tweet here from from yourself. My timeline is full of bears calling for end times. You get hate for Lord knows what at this point, and a few shit posters left hanging on for dear life. Maybe bear market Twitter isn't as fun anymore. Damn, is is that how you're feeling to, today in in this environment? I, a little bit, man. It's I think you know the last kind of big crypto pump we got, right? The last bull market of sorts was the really, really the first time that crypto started following traditional markets in a lot of ways, especially kind of the macro aspects, right? Inflation was obviously kind of the big push for Bitcoin. So when that flip flops and everybody in the traditional markets and kind of the macro sphere start losing their shit, then, you know, everybody in, in crypto does too. But like, you know, when I, I jumped in back in 2015, 2016 timeframe and, uh, you know, we, we saw the run up with ICO alert in 2017. And then it, it just felt like that bear market in kind of the back half of 18 and into 19. Um, it was different. Like people were still kind of having fun with it. Uh, and, and now it's just, uh, it's, it's very much end times. Like I, like I was saying there. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm following the wrong people or, or something, but uh, it's uh, you know everyone's different, I guess. Yeah, your, your other piece there was mentioning Yuga uh, and in the land. So I know that you are not part of the Coda Cope Club that that we unofficially have created for all the note team no codas uh but yeah what did, what did you make of the the yuga land sale uh this weekend and, and all the fallout since yeah i mean listen right like i i get it it's a it's a, a bit of a lottery 
Um, so if you're like yourself or, or some of the other like hardcore holders who have been there from day one and you kind of don't get the new one and then guys like us who, who have kind of just like flipped in and out, get one, it's a little, uh, it's a little tilting. Um, but that's just kind of the way the game works too. Right. So I saw a lot of hate around, um, the way that the process was handled. I think people kind of expected Yuga to, to, to be a bit more perfect because really they have been perfect in the past. Um, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about like, oh, they did an ETH on purpose so that they can, uh, you know, they can kind of launch their own blockchain. But that's a little too conspiracy theory for me. I think there's a much better way to go about announcing your own chain than like actively uh, harming and then having to pay back your your core community just to then announce a new chain. And like, that was really all you heard was kind of the one tweet. Like they haven't come out with a press release shitting on ETH, you know, and I haven't seen anything uh, follow up there. So it's, um, you know, for somebody who's kind of been in and out of, of, of BAYC and, and that whole community, it's always funny to me to kind of see people uh, get so upset about small things like, Oh, the, the merch wasn't as cool as I liked, or the mint process wasn't perfect or whatnot. But, you're going to have issues. You're going to have errors when you get to the scale that they've gotten. I mean, you've got like Elon Musk trolling them today uh, on Twitter, you know, talking like, Oh, it's nuts. You know, not so, uh, you know, or it seems so fungible. Right. So I think it's just kind of, uh, it's what you get. I mean, Solana, right. Was, was down for some inordinate amount of time uh, just the other day and, and was like actively censoring NFT projects, supposedly. Right. So it's a, and they're, they're at a massive scale now too. ETH obviously has its own. It's just, it's what you get. Right. Um, and I, I think you kind of have to be understanding of, of what that is going into it, but, um, I get it. Right. It's like, Hey, you know, if you didn't get a coda, you know, and, and your, your fucking aunt, you know, got one or something, you know, like this is, this is ridiculous. So I, I, I understand the code. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit more about your coda, but uh, one of the coolest things that you mentioned there was that you've been in and out of the board ape ecosystem. I think that again comes back to your position at Parada Capital and the way that you think about trading. It's not as diamond hands in in in, in a sense, and, and you more have to like actively, you know, think about your thesis, and it's always changing. So, kind of like break down like in the next year, what what is your plan here with with the board ape ecosystem? It's huge. People are wondering, hey. Do I get into the mutants? Do I get into land codas? What? Do, how are you looking at that? Yeah, it's it's very complicated and it's very complex because I think you have a couple different factors going on. Um, you know, you have like the in the most broadest sense the crypto market as a whole, right? Which is obviously in in bear market territory here. ETH hasn't moved for what like a week. Bitcoin's not doing anything. I mean, we're we're certainly not like March twenty. 20, you know, depths of, uh, you know, in despair or anything like that. Um, but that kind of broader market is something I think you have to take into consideration when most NFTs are priced in ETH, right? Um, if you buy an NFT for 10 ETH and it goes to 12 ETH, but ETH's down, you know, 50%, you're still wrecked in dollar terms. Um, so it, I think the NFT market is hard for that reason. I think it's hard because it is a brand new market and it's so much different than, you know, punting shit coins or, or holding ETH or Bitcoin or whatever it is. Um, and then I, I think it's different also largely because you have yet to see a project like BAYC, you know, down at like the core micro level 
scale. Like they are the first. They're they're the ones that are going to go through and show us where the the potholes are, where the issues are, where you can find success. And and in pure crypto style, you're going to have a whole bunch of people copying them. You're going to have you know Doodles and Azuki and all these other blue chip NFTs coming out with their own token. But as far as BOYC goes, the most interesting thing for me. Um, and this is something that, that we talk about a lot um, at Parada is the, and I guess it's kind of like a core thesis for me around holding uh, Dakota is that I think BAYC has a really interesting opportunity to increase the utility that they're able to deliver to their holders and their users. Um, you know, having a board ape, having a mutant ape, any other kind of you know, uh, piece of the collection there. It's largely PFP, which grants you kind of this flexing ability, right? It's like the millennial or Gen Z flex, like, Hey, look at this NFT. I'm a holder. I know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, you've said it before. I'm sure you've said it on here. Like having that PFP, uh, is at this stage kind of like a, a, a merit badge, right? Um, so, so you get that, you know, you, you get some access, right? You know, you can get into a Discord, you can get into some of these events, but that's largely the same as a lot of the other blue chip NFTs. Whereas with Dakota, you know, if they can kind of pull off this game of sorts, this metaverse of sorts that they they have planned, and it's they laid out expertly on their website, then I think you you not only have the PFP flex, you not only have the access piece, but you also have like real utility online where now this code is able to go and dig up resources or is able to be, you know, rented out, um, is able to uh, earn, you know, earn something or just kind of give you the utility of a good time on the game. That's that's a huge change. And that's going to potentially separate them from a lot of the other projects who, um, you know, maybe they have similar plans, right? Like I know Moonbirds is, is kind of looking to do something and everybody's uh, hot on them for that reason. but. Um, First mover advantage is a big thing, and I think BAYC is is right there. So, for me, you know, we we got in. I don't remember what what price we got in on the board ape, but we basically got in right before the mutant ape was airdropped. Um, so we did that, held on to the ape a little bit longer. Looked like it was going to go higher. Um, you know, did well on that. You know, sold it off well before where we're at right now, of course. <laughs> um, but you know, we're able to get the coda with the mutant ape. Now we've we've uh, gotten rid of the mutinate. We're holding the code up. You know, don't have the BAYC anymore. Like I said, so we've kind of like worked down the ladder without being that that diamond hand type, like you said. Um, you know, one thing that we we like to do at Parada, and, and we certainly have like kind of different buckets of capital. But in the trading bucket, we don't we don't like to hold very many things for a long, long time, right? Like six, 12, 18 month periods. We like to kind of be in and out extracting value. Um, whereas, and you know, like I said, we do have other buckets, right? We have venture bucket where that's multi-year and, and all this fun stuff. But um, so, so now I think the, 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 the question and the gamble of sorts, as we were talking about pre-show is what rights uh, does the coda have in comparison to BAYC and MAYC, right? Now, you you can't just let BAYC and MAYC and even the Kennel Club fade into, in, into you know, the nether. Um, that's a core community. There's a lot of core community members who didn't get a coda and aren't going to buy a coda who still have those, <laughs> still have those PFPs. Um, so they, they can't really afford to do that. Um, 
So if, if this coda comes with similar rights as like, say the MAYC, where they're going to get a one-to-one airdrop, just like the MAYC is, maybe they they won't get the same as BAYC, right? Maybe the board apes get two to one versus CODAs and MAYCs. Then I think you'll probably continue to see the same thing. CODAs are going to be higher priced because of that added utility, right? Versus the MAYCs. Um, but it could go the other way too. And that's, that's kind of part of the gamble, right? It might be like, hey, the game's coming out in 12 months, um, but hold on to your CODAs. Oh, and by the way, you know, we're chances are we'll have another airdrop here before then, but only for MAYC and BAYC. And if that happens, I think you're going to see a big shuffling of, uh, of funds, especially from those who are trading this stuff, away from the CODAs and back to the MAYCs and BAYCs. I want to stay here a little bit, but I want to do a little mini hop out and say what's up to the chat here. Uh, I've got Easy and Crypto, Digits, Cryptophasia, Perch Life, Hash Rhymes, Choyna, uh, and Dmitry Chezikov is saying, who is this boomer oh. you have as a guest? Uh, and uh, yeah, big shout out to Dmitry, our, our good friend uh, here as well. Uh, big shout out there. Uh, you guys, this is the Nifty Key. Dima's also Coda Cope. Is he? Oh, the, the, well, look, I think it got so. bigger by one one Ukrainian. We're we're good. We're we're building out a team, uh, guys. This is the Nifty Q show again. We are interviewing founders, leaders, and builders in the NFT space. We are growing this channel. Thank you so much uh, for stopping by. Uh, we're also on podcast afterwards on Spotify, Apple Podcast, good stuff like that. Uh, I I want to stay here a little bit longer. Like I said, uh, when did it start? Uh, within Parada, when did the conversation start about NFTs? Because for a long time, you know, these funds probably thought of these NFTs as, as like some ridiculous investment asset, or I don't even know how they, they look at it, right? That's kind of the reason I wanted to have you on. And when does the conversation start for you guys and saying, okay, this is an actual asset that we want to start investing in and allocating as part of, you know, our larger kind of uh, portfolio? And how does that conversation maybe happen in the bigger funds? You know, just I know that's a broader question, but I kind of kind of see what you can do with it. Yeah, no, I'll tackle both um, for sure. I mean, um, I think for us, the you know, there was kind of two like key milestone points. The first one was when we started to see the opportunity with um, the NFTs and and some of the cool things they were doing with the, the airdrops. So really the first kind of major jump with any sort of significant amount of capital was picking up that BAYC to get the MAYC airdrop, right? And just by kind of being a part of the community there for for a couple months um, really allowed me and, and allowed uh, my partner to kind of see like, hey, okay, this is this is like how this works, right? This is the core of, of how it how it uh how it happens and kind of how this thing grows and scales. Um, so that was that was kind of a first key milestone, but you know when you when you hold that kind of exposure and you're not super comfortable with the new market you don't kind of understand really how the the cogs and the gears work within it uh, meaning like when the floor goes down or goes up and you can't really point to um a reason that's fundamental or just purely speculative or anything like that you you will always start to get sweatier palms than if you know what's going on, right? And that's the same for shit coins. That's the same for diamond hands, for traditional markets, right? It's If, if you don't know the inner workings, it's always going to be harder to um, kind of stick with your gut on something or, or stick with your your investment. So that that was a major second milestone, and that was recent. You know, that, that was not too, too long ago. Um, 
you know, maybe like four to eight weeks for me. Uh, my partner, you know, he, he's understood it for a bit longer and he's been telling me, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's real edge to be had still in the NFT markets, meaning like you as a, a single individual can come in and learn how a lot of these mechanics work and how a lot of the other, um, you know, kind of users or traders or investors are, are, are thinking about this and you can find real opportunity and decently quickly, right. Whether you're doing this part-time or full-time or whatnot. So, um, you know, that was, that, that was something that definitely clicked. I mean, as far as the larger funds, it, it really, I think depends on what their thesis is. You know, you see a lot of crypto natives who are coming out with strictly NFT funds. Um, I think that's probably where you're going to, you're going to start and where you're going to see a lot of volume. And, and you've, you've had a good bit of that already. Um, you know, these are, these are people who are coming in in like a venture manner to basically say, Hey, we think in five years or 10 years time that BAYC is going to be worth 10 X or 50 X from here. Um, so give us your money and we won't give it back to you for five or 10 years and, and trust us in our, in our thesis. Right. So we'll hold the blue chips. We'll, we'll, you know, stay in the market. We'll, we'll understand kind of what the new, new hot trends are and, and pick it up there. So I think that's mostly what you see to date. I think it's a lot harder for your, your more typical shops who are like your proprietary traders or your, your quant shops or any of these guys to, to look at the NFT market and say like, Hey, we can overlay current strategies onto this. And, um, and, and do well because a lot of the mechanics are different, right? Like NFTs pump and dump in wild ways and are super volatile, largely because of the, the liquidity mechanics. Um, and, and we can kind of get into that. So I, I, I think we're still very early in the NFT market as far as kind of that bigger money, that like quote unquote institutional capital that's coming in. Um, I think a lot of those folks are looking for your like top tier rarest items and just, you know, hoping that not only will, the floor price of BAYC go up, but also the premium between the floor price and the rarest items will go up. I'm interested in this like mechanic of, especially as it's related to floor price, like you mentioned, because as bigger and bigger funds move in, or just more funds with the same amount of capital move in, somebody looks at a floor price and, and a buying up of a floor price, especially retail traders, we like think that somebody's coming in to, to buy it up, right? Like they're buying an NFT to join the community, and you know you're you're having that movement, but as more and more funds move into the space. Is it more so like a, a 3000 piece, uh, uh, NFT collection could potentially only have like 500 holders, you know, or something like that because it's being bought up by, by funds. How, do, how that mechanic is, you know, evolving as more capital gets into the space, right? They're not going to like increase supply too much if the community is not, you know, kind of growing there you know like why why launch a ten thousand piece collection when i I don't know i'm making it too too far down the rabbit hole here but i do think as these funds come in it kind of messes with the process of you go to you go to OpenSea, you buy an nft you join the community it has it could potentially be you know a couple people doing that but maybe a whole floor is being swept up by a dow fund or a capital fund i don't know i'm i'm kind of right kind of on a tangent yeah, you, you, you have, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, you have some of that happening already um, in, in a way. I think it just is within crypto. Um, like, I don't think you see a traditional macro fund or a traditional prop shop that, you know, uh, over the last 30 years, 
most of their time has been in traditional markets and maybe they've started market making Bitcoin and ETH, right? Because the volumes make sense there. I don't think you're going to see them for a long time start to look at NFTs because number one, they they don't understand it enough to uh, jump in, right? So it's kind of hard to see what their edge would be. Number two, they're not going to want to go through the process of, of saying, um, you know, hey, shareholder, I'm going to buy this digital image of a monkey and make you money, right? Like you have to change all sorts of agreements. There's, there's, you know, liability for suit. There's all sorts of other issues that they have to go through that they just got done with in getting into the crypto market for Bitcoin and ETH. So, so those funds, they're not coming to save you anytime soon. However, the, the, the crypto wealth effect that really started in 2017 has now multiplied so much larger that you will have just individuals you will have these whales who will who will come in and and buy these rares right um a a good a good example i think of um some of these kind of interior crypto funds or these these quants are just you know generally like market geniuses is that when you have something like the uh like the coda drop not everybody with bayc or mayc uh nfts is going to go and claim everything at the same time. Um, so there are these, as you said, these DAOs or these kind of JPEG vaults, right, that are um, set up and, and you can basically like publicly uh, invest in them, right? You can you can, you can can borrow, you can lend, right? This whole kind of like financialization of NFTs is happening. I can't, can't remember the exact name, but there's one in particular, maybe like NFTX or something, where these vaults will hold hundreds of different apes, right? And some of them... Some of them will have had the land claimed, but uh, but many of them won't. So whenever the whenever the land reveal happens, and you can now parse the metadata in an automatic way and say, okay, out of two hundred apes, there are fifty where the land hasn't been claimed. What they're going to do is they're going to go and take something like a flash loan, and they're going to set it all up in one transaction, right? Or they're going to they're going to use bots to to basically handle this instantly, and they're going to go. They're going to borrow money to, you know, basically pull the ape from the vault wallet to their wallet. They're going to claim the land and in the same transaction, send the apes back, right? So this is brand new to NFTs from when, you know, a board ape was four ETH or 10 ETH, right? Like there just wasn't, there wasn't that much interest in it. Yeah. The last piece I want to kind of touch on here uh, before I get maybe your prediction on what the land might be uh, is this introduction of a fungible token to these NFT ecosystems and how you're maybe structuring your portfolio when it comes to this, right? Because now you have the ability to even make the decision to say, hey, am I getting exposure through a board ape or am I getting exposure through the ape token itself? So kind of a dual pronged question. Again, I'm going to be throwing these at you as we go, but how how do you look at these these NFT projects launching fungible tokens? And then how do you, as an investor, see yourself maybe getting an ape instead of a BAYC? Yeah, um, I think there's kind of two like core ways that I look at it. Um, I think the first one is that ApeCoin in particular was used by BAYC holders and, and MAYC holders and, and the community as a whole as this very interesting exit mechanic. Um, the interesting thing about NFTs is that, you know, unlike tokens, they're obviously non-fungible, right? So either you have it or you don't, there's no in between. You can't sell half of your eight and pull out half the profits. Like 
Either you continue for the ride or you don't. So by airdropping ApeCoin, you're effectively give in the same way with the land, right? You're effectively giving the community another opportunity to say, hey, do I want to continue and, you know, double down of sorts or, you know, uh, keep, you know, maybe it's worth 25% of your, of your holding, right? Do I want to increase my leverage of sorts in this community by more, or do I want to use this opportunity to, to sell the tokens and get out? And I think people, you know, holders who, who were airdropped the tokens kind of went through this mental process you know, the first week or so that it, it launched and you could kind of see it with the volatility where, you know, maybe initially they held the token and it pumped up to eight or 10 bucks or whatever it was. Right. And then it started dipping and they said, you know what, I'm going to take the 20 K or the 40 K and I'm going to use this as kind of an exit mechanic to, to take some profit on my ape while still being able to hold the ape. So I think that's, that's an interesting thing that the projects are doing because you do get to a point where, if you started and you were lucky enough or, or in the know enough to mint three apes, right? And you sold one at five ETH and you held two for a long time and, and you sold one for 20 ETH, but you've held this last one for the longest time. Um, you, you haven't really had an, an ability to kind of exit that position. All the while, the crypto market as a whole is super rugging. So every day you're checking this multiple times a day oh my god the floor's down five ETH. they should have sold it i could have bought this house blah 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 right um so that's that's kind of the first interesting piece that comes with the tokens because you're 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 overlaying traditional crypto market structure to um you know the nft market in in a way that hasn't been done before um the second thing that's interesting to me is that like most people who are looking at board apes and it's, you know, floor is, I think, 115, 116 right now, right? 116 ETH. Most people looking at that do not have the cash to go and buy a full ape, right? It just is what it is. Even the, even the MAYCs, the kennels, you know, not that I would recommend buying one of those right now. Certainly the CODAs, I think the CODAs are at like 30 or 40 floor ETH, right? Like this is a lot of money. This is six figures across the board if you want to join. It's a rich man's game. Um, the ape token, however, is something where... You can come in, you could buy, you know, 500 of them or 100 of them or 1,000 of them and kind of ride along that journey that Yuga has, right? And unless Yuga screws up and something happens with the, the coin, there's a hack or they completely abandon it or do something kind of out of character for Yuga, you as a passerby can get exposure to BAYC's growth. So I think it will be interesting to see how ApeCoin grows and evolves and how they they kind of continue to place utility on top of it. Um, and I think there's a real chance that that kind of becomes uh, like the de, de facto, um, you know, quote unquote, kind of like retail monitor of sorts for, for, for the BAYC. And at least for now, while well, that's the only one, the NFT market as a whole, you know, if it's pumping, right. It's, it's probably fair to say that, uh, there's either something coming up, some sort of release, right? Where you need to use the token, like the, you know, you had to use the token to, to, to purchase the land. Um, or it just kind of shows general sentiment from retail who, um, you know, is coming back into the market for whatever, whatever reason. So those are kind of the two interesting things for me with the, with the coins now. But you'll definitely see, I think you'll definitely see a lot of other projects doing that um, for, for either both of those 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 theses are um just the the kind of exit mechanic there 
Yeah, Elon's tweet uh, was super interesting to watch the actual price action. Again, with the fungible token, you have the ability to maybe see a more active price chart rather than maybe like a floor price that's rising or falling based on some action. So I thought that was super bullish uh, for ApeCoin to have uh, an Ape in general to have uh, Elon talking about it. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing all the time when it comes to that stuff. He's not just randomly tweeting that stuff out. He likes to kind of make a little ruckus and then see what he can kind of rumble up there. So ApeCoin, I think, is sitting at about like $15, $14. you like it here? Like not not financial advice, all that good good stuff uh, for, for the SEC. But uh, do you like the uh, uh, ApeCoin here? I, I think so. I mean, I, I haven't taken a look at the chart or anything like that. Um, I think if you're if you're picking up ApeCoin any anywhere between eleven bucks and like sixteen bucks, you're really kind of playing on that that speculative value and, and Yuga delivering again, which history has showed it's a good bet. Um, so I, I think you kind of have to understand why you're picking it up. I think you have to understand that it's brand new. It's going to be super volatile. And for me, if I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to you know here at fifteen, I've got to know that. Um, I'm going to say buy more at 10 or be comfortable with it going to 11, 10, nine bucks before Yuka is able to kind of come out with that, uh, with, with that future, um, you know, utility or whatnot it is, whatever it is. But you, you do have to understand, like, it is purely a bet on Yuga delivering, I think, um, until, until you have more, I'll call them NFT coins out in the market and it's kind of its own full market. Uh, Dimitri here is saying someone on FTX did that flash loan for ApeCoin drop, made like one mil from spending like 600 on gas. DJ is saying if you have a bulk of yep. your net worth in JPEGs and haven't secured a home vehicle education, then you're a god tier DGen who may get thoroughly wrecked. Uh, <laughs> and I, and you know what? I want to use this as an opportunity to to you know go back to front here, uh, and that means like talking about you know, your intro into the crypto, us kind of being obviously at ICO alert in those days when we weren't maybe as God, maybe you were more of a God tier DGen back then. Uh, I would say that maybe right now. And, and I would put myself in there too. I, I don't, I haven't bought my home yet, but I have some apes here and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. You're definitely God tier well, level. Well, I feel like it, it, it came from those days is what I'm trying to get at. You know, like I've been around the market so much. This isn't my first rodeo uh, and it's just the experience from being in the market so much. Although if I had experience from back then, I probably should sell now. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, man, let's talk about like your early days crypto. Again, I think we have a full combo that would be beneficial to people. Uh, so I don't want to like stay in that in the, the intro combo for too long, but I think it's it'd be super cool to do so. So tell me a little bit uh, about your intro into crypto and then uh, those ICO alert days we can reminisce on. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the time that I first heard about crypto was from my younger brother, Rob. Um, and uh, I was selling craft beer at the time, you know, making like $26,000 a year. This was this was pre-inflation time, so still could kind of survive. But it wasn't, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't like a, a, a big time job where I had to make a make a decision to say, do I give up, you know, some like six figure position with a golden parachute at the end of the road and an easy retirement? It was you know, it was a much easier, um, kind of jump for me, but, um, you know, he told me about it back in the day early on, I thought it was, you know, nerdy and, 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 you know, his kind of thing. Um, and then as you saw the price go, I started to get a little more interested. So I kind of started, um, as many people do and bought way too much of it relative to like my overall net worth at the time. Um, and 
you know, basically thought that with the Coinbase account and, and, uh, a whole bunch of ignorance that I could kind of trade this thing back and forth. So, um, you know, I had a, I had a solid little run in, uh, like the first half of 2016, kind of trying to trade it back and forth after, after losing a bunch, um, from, from Coinbase fees and bad decisions and not paying attention in, in late 2015 and, and kind of managed to get out like right around break even or, um, a little bit less. And, at the core of it, at the beginning, it was something I was super interested in. For whatever reason, I've al- I've always been interested in in financial markets. I don't have a financial market background. I went to uh, school for psychology, and um, you know, was always a, a sports guy, and, and kind of wanted to get into real estate before the craft beer thing happened. But for whatever reason, I I, I was interested in it. I like kind of the lore of Wall Street and all this. So when I looked at crypto, I, I thought, oh, hey, here's a fresh opportunity for a guy like me who didn't you know, major in economics, who didn't get the the internships that he needed. And I think crypto to a lot of people is still that exact same thing today. Um, it's, it's kind of a fresh start in a new system where you don't have to play by the rules. You don't have to, you know, go and try to get a job for some awful bank or some, you know, bullshit, you know, Goldman Sachs or something after studying their life away. Um, so I jumped in, you know, found ETH originally that, that really piqued my interest because it was something something more um tangible past just the bitcoin you know going to change the world hold 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 kind of thing it was like oh hey here's here's really interesting tech that businesses and applications and things can be built on um and lucky for me it was like a handful of months after uh the dow hack maybe about a year after the dow hack so prices were blasted um i was i was able to kind of get in there and then just flip my way up right we had um ICO alert, you know, early 17, when ICO started really getting going, that was kind of the first, the first niche that I looked at and saw like, okay, I feel like I'm early here. Um, so, you know, we did that. Um, EOS was kind of the next big train. Can I jump in here real quick? Do you, do you, do you remember introducing me to, to crypto by chance? Because guys, this is, the, this is the man who introduced me to crypto uh, here. Do you remember a conversation we had or a tweet you sent uh, that was like, oh yeah, Q's in crypto now? Not specifically, but that's, you know, that's probably the CTE or, or something there. Um, do you, I'm sure you remember. <laughs> what was it? I, I really don't, man. I, I remember those days of, of sitting in bed and putting way too much of my net worth as well yeah. uh, into just some random shit coins and thinking I was going to be, you know, a millionaire in, in, a, in a year. But uh, yeah, continue, man. I just wanted to see if you, you had that story, but really cool uh, introduction there. But you, you're at ICO alert. Yeah. Can't wait for this one. So, so we, we kind of started that and, um, you know, it started out with me and, and Rob. Rob brought me on to kind of help scale the business. Q came on as, as the first employee and it was, it was off and running. Um, and, and really that whole time I realize now after the fact, there was not a, a ton of time, especially once the, the market started going, that we were kind of in the, in the nitty gritty of the markets, right? We would hear about a new ICO here or there because we were in the business, but largely it was, um, the, the focus was all about ICO alert as a business versus the token. So um, in the same way, I was kind of able to just blindly hold ETH out of ignorance because I didn't know at the time that there were these other coins that were available. Um, it was, you know, it was just kind of hold, holding that because there was, you know, there was nothing else to do. Um, I think we we were able to hold EOS and, and some others through kind of the ups and downs. You know, if you look at the chart, we, we did kind of diamond hand it there. 
Um, but I think it was more out of pure ignorance than it was like making an active decision to say, Hey, this is, you know, we, we know that this is going to go to X price, right. Um, or, or we know that this is a good investment or trade or whatnot, I think. And I think a lot of people kind of start that way. And it's really hard to take that, that, that next step of saying and admitting like, okay, I got a little bit lucky here, right. In my, in my timing. Um, I mean, the one story that I have was basically that when, uh, whenever Rob and I finally convinced you to pick up some EOS, it pumped like nine days later. So there was no, you know, so you were like <laughs> yeah. the best of the best time. That was the, those days. You know, best of, you could not ask for anything better. Right. Um, and, and that can, that, that's obviously good in, in, in the short term, but can be bad in the, in the long term for people too. You know, if you picked up, if, if you managed to pick up Bitcoin in March, 2020 or April, 2020, or even May, um, with, with little idea as to what you were doing and held it for, you know, even a year, uh, you did really, really well. Um, but again, making that kind of next step, um, I, I think is very difficult where you actually go in and understand like maybe, Hey, this is how the technology works or, Hey, this is how markets as a whole work and, and where crypto differs. So that was, that was kind of the, the next big step after ICO alert, you know, in the ICO market as a whole really descended into, into nothingness. Um, I still had that passion for markets. You know, I knew there was a ton of opportunity in crypto, but I didn't, I didn't really know how, um, markets worked. I didn't know how to trade. I, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't have a lot of kind of like the core aspects that you need to, to survive in this market. Um, and that's, that's really where Parada was born. Yeah. I definitely want to get to Parada, but just staying on that subject a little bit more, it's, it's amazing how fast the market moves on from things in in our industry in our industry as a whole in crypto as a whole i mean we were doing extremely well at ico alert for a new startup and like you said the, the market for icos just evaporated but i feel like people in nfts get this feeling too it's like you can't make a base camp that much in the mm. space because when you start making the base camp everyone moves on you know they're, they're moving farther west and you're like oh this industry that i thought was going to start up here it's a ghost town, you know, and it's, 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 yep. it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. And we saw it firsthand at ICO alert, but it was, it was a great time. Again, shout out to Dimitri here. Who's in the chat. Uh, but there were a bunch of individuals who have since, you know, uh, spread out amongst the industry. We have, we, at one point, you know, yeah. we had a who's who of like people that were getting after it. I think, uh, Zach Gall is still, you know, doing some things on EOS. God bless his heart. But, uh, th there's some other people that are doing some great things, uh, in the blockchain space. Yeah, it was, it was a talented team for sure. Um, and I think everybody kind of understood that while that chapter was closing, there was going to be another kind of new chapter. Um, you know, that, that back half of 2018 was was one that screwed up a lot of people. You know, we went from 20k Bitcoin to 6k Bitcoin, and I think a lot of people kind of thought, okay, this is it. And then uh, going from 6k basically all the way down to 3k on Bitcoin um, on the back half of 2018 that was that was that was the dagger uh, for people. A brutal, brutal, brutal 2019. A lot of hopium, and I think we kind of sit somewhere similar, right? Somewhere between the back half of 2018, we're probably more in like 2019 now. Um, if you were to try to compare the bear markets, I think each one's certainly different, but it's, uh, it's similar. It's, it's a similar kind of uh, case study, if you will. Um, so, you know, it, 
one of the best pieces of advice or one of the best things I ever heard um, was uh, that when the bull market is here, you will know it's here. If you have any question as to whether or not you know uh, we're in a bear market versus a bull market, it's probably not a bull market. Now, that's not to say that NFTs or DeFi can't go through its own uh, bull market separate from the crypto market as a whole. You know, I think NFTs have have proven that they can do that time and time again. Um, but you know, there's there's really, especially with Bitcoin and ETH now, there's really very um, there's really very few chances, I think, where if you're paying attention, you're going to miss the next narrative or you're going to miss the next wave. You're certainly not going to buy the bottom. You're not going to catch the bottom. You shouldn't try to do that. Um, but, you know, that I think that's something to kind of keep in mind as, as we, uh, you know, look to where we sit today. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, insight there. Definitely clipping that one uh, for for a vid later. But uh, let's talk about Parada and what you're doing uh, with that uh, management firm there. Uh, so, what's the goal? Uh, what's the future for you uh, in like five to ten years? I'm sure you're kind of looking at it in that time frame. Uh, you always have like a knack for kind of looking farther out than than other individuals. So, what is you know Parada Capital and and what are your goals here? Yeah, sure. Um, so. Uh you know, Prada was started basically to kind of formalize and 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 make this crypto investing um, niche or, or, or category of my life more branded and, and professional, right? Um, put a brand behind it, try to come in basically in the first year in 2019, understand how the market works, get our feet wet in a variety of different areas. Um, you know, we did that. We, you know, I think ended up probably by end of 2019 down like five or ten percent fifty percent maybe so kind of kind of took our took our beatings there and moved on completely missed DeFi, right the only literally the first DeFi entrance we had was degening with you and dimitri and a couple other guys at like 9 30 at night on hot dog finance when aprs were like 110 million percent like that was when we chose like hey this is it this is the time to enter this is definitely not the top and uh and but you know it was that and then we bought some other DeFi shit coin at like 11 bucks and it basically just immediately went to zero so you know i think it's important to kind of like take a step away from the the entity or the the fund or you know you know, this big kind of hulking behemoth that is a crypto fund or, or that people kind of, you know, theorize in their head that like, oh, here's, here's, here's somebody or here's a group of people or here's a hundred person team who like never misses anything. They know what's going on. They're manipulating the market. Like, no, we completely missed out on one of the biggest, uh, you know, financial kind of windfalls in crypto history and DeFi. Um, and, uh, you know, learned a lot. And then boom, March 2020 happened and uh, got completely wrecked. You know, we we uh, outperformed the market. I think Bitcoin was down like 55% and the fund as a whole was only down 25%. But it's hard to uh, it, it's hard to kind of brag about that when you're down 25% in a matter of, of hours, right? And, um, you know, kind of licked our wounds and decided we wanted to keep rolling with it. Um, and and just went out and continued to continue to learn. Um, there was there was one strategy that kept us afloat. Um, it was an an arb play, an arbitrage play between Deribit and Ledger X, um, both of which are options exchanges. Deribit being the main one, and Ledger X basically being this like failed 
you know, US only kind of more institutional options exchange. Um, so many market makers and, and traders and large funds got blasted in March 2020 and, and basically, you know, lost everything um, that you had some of the craziest opportunities uh, for, for arbitrage there. And a, a lot of the big ones were picked up early by, by big players, but there were some that were kind of left behind for, for folks like us. So, you know, we could literally buy a, an options contract on one exchange and sell it on the other and net a profit, right? Um, the profit would essentially net out when that option contract expired. So we did that for three or four months. It was money coming in that that was able to, you know, kind of keep things afloat. Um, next thing you know, you start getting the narrative around, uh, you know, Bitcoin and, and, and crypto, right? Um, kind of being this inflation hedge and it's off to the races, right? Um, but but I think the like the core point of that story is that even at the worst part, we were still out there for the first time ever learning, hey, this is how the options market works, right? This is how to buy and sell a call option or a put option or whatnot. Um, so, you know, our largely what we do is kind of broken down in, into two buckets today. We have like our active or liquid trading bucket, and then we have our more inactive illiquid trading bucket. Um, the illiquid bucket bucket to start is your more venture focused bucket, right? We're not a, we're not a venture firm, right? It's myself and, and my partner, Zach, who run the fund. We're completely self-funded. We don't have any outside investors. Makes things a lot easier for us um, to, you know, to do things like interact in the NFT market and trade in the NFT market where we wouldn't necessarily be able to do that if we had investors. But anyway, um, that illiquid book is more venture focused. We'll make um, early stage bets on companies like Aurori or Dapper Labs or Neftify or a lot of these guys who we think will be something big in, in the coming years um, versus the, the liquid strategies or the trading strategies, which the majority of uh, focus on uh, earning yield on, on capital. So we're, we're dollar based. We're trying to turn dollars into more dollars and um, the, the yield can be done uh, with funding in the derivatives markets, it can be done uh, with interesting like option strategies around um, selling options contracts. It can be done in DeFi markets, and um, you know, then you have really interesting things like a, a, a great yield strategy right now is the looks rare uh, farm. You know, it's probably the the best that we've seen in in some time where um, you you can basically purchase looks tokens, stake them. Um, and then as long as you have the margin short, the looks token on a, on a, uh, derivatives platform, right? So you basically are able to hedge out and create this market neutral, uh, strategy and only earn the, the staking rewards for, for looks. So we kind of break out those two buckets and, and as far as goals go, I mean, we, uh, we want to really kind of do two things. The first one's most obvious, right? Is, is turn some money into more money. That's, that's the goal of, of any fund, right? Whether you're doing something strictly venture focused, whether you're a trading fund fund or a prop shop or quant firm, whatever it is. And the second one is just continue to interact with interesting people doing interesting things in the crypto space, because yes, not only, you know, is it going to return capital on top of capital if they're successful, but it's going to, as we've seen with, with DeFi or NFTs or anything else, kind of grow us as entrepreneurs and at the end of the day, startup founders. We meet unique people, um, you know, a lot of portfolio companies that that we've invested in. Um, we've built, you know, 
internet friends with. You know, these are people we've never met in, in real life, especially considering COVID. And they're some of our, our closest friends now. So um, that's the goal, you know, kind of uh, take, 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 take the beatings where, where we've taken them. And I'm sure we'll take more in the future. Um, you know, celebrate the, celebrate the victories and, and kind of survive in advance. Yeah. A couple quick lightning questions, man, based on everything you kind of laid out there is the, is there potentially a, a, a time, you know, in the near future, far future where you are going to take outside funds and your fund in Parada capital gets to like the hunt, like the hundred million asset under management. Is that like an end goal for you or is it, let's just, you know, stay family office and, and just roll. It's hard to predict the future for sure. I think if we did ever go out and raise some substantial amount of money, um, it would be it would be you know quite a bit down the road. It would have to be it would have to be a real change of kind of mindset. Um, you know, the, the goal would have to 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 go from hey, you know, professionalizing crypto investing and trading as a career to making something out of say a brand name. Right. Um, Parada Capital is never going to get famous as a two man operation. Um, you know, we might make a lot of money, but we're not going to kind of go down in the history books as like one of the best crypto funds. Right. Um, and that that's not the goal. It, it never has been. Um, so that I think that that kind of those interior goals for both myself and Zach would have to change um, pretty significantly. The the other problem with raising money is that um, it's it's very much a rich man's game. It's very much a connected man's game it's all kind of knowing uh where the where the capital is and and getting access to it because um you know for somebody like us for it to be worthwhile we would probably you know just from an expenses standpoint around um you know kind of the 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 legal structure and the sec reporting and, and 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 the custody and the security and and all these different things that have to be done in an institutional and, and really like high level way, we would have to raise something like 50 million bucks. Right. And, um, you know, typically you're taking a 1% management fee, um, at starting out as a fund, maybe one and a half, 2% if, if you've got a big name, and then you're taking 15, 20, maybe 25% of, of profits that you make with other people's money. So if you go and you do the math and you have, in a, in a, in a hedge fund worlds, uh, you know, uh, kind of day to day, um, you have a 30% year, which is killer in traditional markets. Uh, and you, you kind of do the math. It's not really worthwhile relative to the amount of people you have to bring on the additional risk you have to take the additional amount of hours you have to spend, um, each, each week and each month. And, and certainly the, uh, the, um, amount of stress that goes along with managing other people's money versus your own. Yeah. Got, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, the other lightning question. I also want to open this up to the chat as well. If you guys have questions for Mike, he does a great job of kind of breaking down, uh, any questions you guys have related to like NFT markets or anything like that. Uh, and also Dimitri said ETH rallied more than 4% since this interview started coincidence. I don't think so. Uh, there's some yam, uh, comments in the chat as well. Uh, so people remember those those food DeFi days. Uh, the, the other lightning question I have is related to marketplaces. Coinbase just opened up their beta to everyone uh, this morning, basically. So you can go in there. If you're tuning in, you can actually go in there and get your username now. Uh, but how does the arbitration work between NFTs, between marketplaces? Is there an opportunity there as you see in arbitration between or arbitrage sense between um 
like a Coinbase and a Binance or Deribit, like you were saying, is there an arb between NFT marketplaces and then your general take maybe on the the battle between marketplaces right now? Yeah, I I would doubt it. I haven't looked, so I can't say for sure. Um, But I think the NFT market is at a point where you do have some people coming in to to quote unquote make the market right, and they're going to be the first ones at the door uh, to help basically help Coinbase or help Kraken. I know Kraken just announced one to say, hey, you know, if some some random NFT starts getting bid up here because there's a much larger user presence on Coinbase than there is on OpenSea or something, you know, we will basically go and buy it up on OpenSea and we will sell it on Coinbase, right? Um, I think largely anymore in the crypto space, unless you're early, early days to a brand new market, you know, like NFTs maybe a year ago or so, um, there's not going to be any sort of like worthwhile arbitrage opportunity unless there is some sort of like cataclysmic event where those people who would traditionally be, you know, filling in that, that gap are no longer there because, you know, they, they take a week break from markets and let things, let things settle where they got completely wiped out. So, you know, arbitrage in crypto anymore is, is very, very difficult. I think more of the edge would exist in trying to predict some of the ways that like the coda or the land will be utilized with, with Yuga. Right. So you could go out and if you had a decent bit of money at this point, you could say, all right, I'm going to go. I think that codas will be able to move from land to land. Right. And resources are going to be able to be harvested. So I'm going to go and buy the best coda on the worst land. And I'm going to buy the best land that doesn't have a coda. Right. Because effectively you could move the best coda from the shit land to the best land that doesn't have a coda and now generate, you know, theoretically uh, a, a piece of land with an awesome coda that, that didn't exist previously. So I think it's quite a bit harder now. Okay. And then keep this one to, to a minute as well. Uh, between the battle between marketplaces, we have looks rare, we have open sea, right. we have actually some, uh, that are actually, uh, generating kind of all of the markets together. Uh, they're kind of an ag- market aggregator. I think gem.xyz is one that somebody mentioned, yep. uh, but that might be NFT music focus. But anyways, the battle between kind of Coinbase, open sea looks rare, uh, rareable, like how you how you view that, and who might be a winner down the road. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that OpenSea is, is the winner. Um, first mover advantage is a is a huge one in crypto, and I think OpenSea is going to pretty much keep that. A, a good example to look at is Deribit in the option space. Um, options volumes have grown and grown and grown, and Deribit has increased their their overall uh, percentage of of you know options volume. I think OpenSea is going to do the same thing. I mean, who knows? Maybe they kind of royally screw it up. But when you have for such a long time, people learning and getting comfortable with the OpenSea UI and UX, it's hard to transition them to something, even if it is theoretically better. Um, I think the more interesting thing with NFT marketplaces um, than kind of Coinbase versus OpenSea or versus Luxray or any of that is um, the, the financialization of NFTs, right? Like Neftify is a, is a project that we invested in. They're one who's trying to open up the borrow and lending market of, of NFTs. Fractionalization is, is a hot topic in the NFT space. There's still some significant kind of issues or hurdles that need to, that need to be overcome for that. But that's kind of where I would be focused. That's where I think there's, a, there's kind of a lot of interesting things happening 
within the NFT market. Okay, I've got a question from Flubber here. Uh, so guys, if you have any, uh, we're coming up on the hour mark, get it in uh, now so I can ask it. Flubber saying, have you ever had a desire to use your skills to help make your friends richer, i.e. not necessarily investing in their funds, but giving advice, or do you keep your crypto game separate from your friends? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think uh, anytime you're dealing with friends and family, something I've, I've done in a, in a variety of different businesses, you have to be really careful. Um, you know, the, the most important thing is that, that friend or family relationship. And whenever you start to, um, you know, give them advice on what to invest in or, um, kind of get them kind of clued in on, on what you're doing, you risk, you risk, you know, hurting that relationship. Right. And it's not, it's not really worth it. You know, with that being said, I think, um, you know, for us, there's more opportunity kind of on the, on the venture side just to, you know, help out like a, a fellow colleague in the space, right? There's another venture fund who, um, is actively investing in, uh, play to earn gaming, right? Uh, we'll, we'll share deal flow there and, and, and kind of help out there. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. I think it's one where a lot of crypto folks look and they're like, oh my God, I, you know, made all this money. My boy here is struggling or, you know, I want to get my family member in, you know, go for it. Um, if it's, if it's, if it's successful, it's always a, it's always a win. Um, but more times than not, I think, you know, if it's not successful because of something outside of your control, it's going to potentially harm that, that relationship. So just, you know, be cautious. Uh, the thumbnail for today's, uh, episode is like how to navigate the NFT markets, right? So like we talked early on about maybe the current sentiments, uh, I like that you have some exposure to outside markets as well. We can be in this like echo chamber of NFTs where all we hear about is Yuga Labs and then next week it's Moonbirds and then next week it's something else. How does the, I guess, broader market trends or macro trends in like stocks in the world, how how are you looking at that as it's related to funneling down to to this ecosystem, right? How, how an NFT trader should be looking at this stuff, like rates, wars, all these different things that are going on. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the difference between the NFT market and any other crypto market, you know, DeFi, broader crypto market as a whole, traditional markets, is that it's still very much a a person to person, you know, P2P game, peer to peer, right, that's going on. You're not necessarily buying and selling from very many NFT funds. So it's, uh, it's very personal, which means there's still kind of a lot of edge to, to be had. And you know, I I think history is kind of shown here as board apes are well over a hundred ETH floor, even though ETH is down to you know about three K. It's up a little bit today, but that there there isn't a lot of kind of people who are selling off NFTs because you know Apple's down, right? I think it's still very much a, a segregated and kind of secluded market, and that's that's good. That's good if you're an NFT investor. You don't necessarily want it to start tracking with. The broader crypto market, because then you're going to start kind of tracking with, in a way, indirectly the the broader um, financial markets, which which on both spheres there it's it, it's wrecked. Um, I think if you're if you're just starting to kind of think about getting into the NFT market, I think you have to understand a couple of things. You have to understand that if you want to kind of play in the NFT blue chips, it's going to be a very expensive game. Um, you know, it's it's still very hard to find. NFT projects at an early stage and mint something that's going to be successful. I think it's, I think it's still very much of a lottery system. I, you know, certainly you can look and say, Oh my God, this one has 30,000 discord members. Like 
there's people always on and you know maybe you do find some community within that nft um you know kind of kind of space or or, or whatever brand right um but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to do a, a Uger, it's going to do a moonbirds or it's going to do a, a doodles or anything like that so um it's it's a very tricky market. I think the best thing to do is to find somebody who's been in the NFT market for a while, right? Like NFT Live is a great example. You guys can kind of break down how this stuff works, what's interesting, you can try to stay ahead of of you know this big hot ball of money that's flying around from from project to project, and and you can kind of learn slowly without jumping into something all in or putting fifty percent of your capital all in and you mint it, you know, 0.25 ETH and it's immediately a 0.1 and and, and you're kind of wrecked and and, and done for on that front. So um, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, me and myself, I'm, I'm still learning. And for how nascent the NFT market is, I think you have to understand that just as you're kind of learning how it works, there will be new evolutions to it, right? There will be new players in the game. Um, And as long as you can kind of keep good tabs on, what your edge is in the market, right? What are you good at in the NFT market? Are you good at picking the new ones? Are you good at jumping in on momentum plays or, you know, what are you kind of good at, right? Why do you think you'll do better than, you know, some random guy on the street, um, pick, picking these NFTs or, 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 or holding these NFTs, right? Like understand what your strategy is and, and try to try to visualize and see how, um, the NFT market is evolving because borrow and lending markets are coming out, or now there's a fractionalization platform or, you know, that whatever it is. Right. So I know that's kind of a broad answer, but anytime you're in a brand new market like this, you have to kind of ride the wave and do your best to understand when it's time to jump in and when it's time to kind of, to kind of hold off and, and, and not FOMO. And sometimes that's, you know, that's a bit of a guess. It's a bit, it's a bit of a gamble. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're learning, you're only going to get better for the next time. Are you betting on any metaverse plays at all? Like, are you, obviously BAYC is, is one, there's been this like sentiment that I've been feeling amongst my like friends, colleagues, I think Gabe from BitLectra said it perfectly uh, on yesterday's NFT live was that even though BAYC is making this, you know, much hyped metaverse play, no one has successfully made a metaverse that people want to spend time in for longer than 30 seconds, you know, for longer than a minute, for long, maybe just a spe- one specific event where they're coming in for five or 10 minutes. Do you think the metaverse stuff is overhyped? I think it's overhyped in the traditional markets. Um, I think a lot of times when uh, kind of your IPO crowd can, um, or your, your, your traditional hedge fund crowd can package something up and sell it, Right, um, they're they're going to try to do that, and naturally, you're going to get flows from your your Kathy Wood types or some of these folks who are who are supposed to be investing in all the the bleeding edge stuff. So I think it's a bit overhyped in the real world, right? When you've got like the Today Show explaining what metaverse means and and whatnot, um, it's it's hard to go and, and buy a bag of Decentraland or something, right? It doesn't mean it's not going to go up. It's just it's just kind of like the typical top point. Um, you know, and, and, and it makes it hard for me to, to jump in there. I think, I think the best metaverse plays, I mean, the, the only, I like Moonbirds for it and I like Yuga for it because what they're doing is they're taking kind of the core concepts or, or core components that are needed for a successful metaverse 
They have them already, right? They have the core community. Those core community members are people who are online all the time. You're not taking somebody who's, you know, like a, a plumber or a banker or somebody like this and saying, hey, go and enter the, go and have fun here, even though you spend very little amount of time on the internet, right? What you're doing is you're taking gamers, you're taking NFT fans, you're taking, you know, crypto natives who are online all the time. They're online 12, 14 hours a day. Like this is where they live. There's no, there's no hurdle that has to be crossed for these people to then spend time in this new metaverse. So what it, what it becomes is instead of, instead of convincing someone that like, this is what all the cool kids are doing, you know, the metaverse is where it's at and trying to, you know, teach them how to even interact online you have all of that done and now you're just focused on providing utility. You're, you're, you're providing something fun. You're providing something meaningful, be it like financially or, you know, giving somebody some sense of, of community in this metaverse. So, you know, if Yuga, for example, right? Like I think they've got a real shot at kind of being the first metaverse, right? And, and it's not to say they're going to have millions and millions of users, but they're going to have thousands or tens of thousands of, of core folks who interact in this quote unquote metaverse on a daily basis. Um, and that's going to be super powerful. Uh, I think, and I, I think they have, they have probably the the best shot because they're the first mover. They've got a ton of money to spend. They've got the right partners who are, are going to be able to, you know, continue to, to, to see this thing work. Um, but they've got to execute too. And, and I think that's the bet. I think that's a really cool point, man. Like, Decentraland and crypto voxels like we're in voxels has been like super successful in a way at, at kind of creating some like subplots of communities. But what you just kind of got at was like if you have this group of really, really active individuals who are actively doing things online all the time you can take that and then create a metaverse for them as opposed to trying to say, Hey, here's this land, like wide land mass that people who are disconnected from each other can go in and buy. Then you have this wide disconnected land mass that looks like a ghost town, which is what you see in Decentraland, to be honest, you know, other than little small plots. It's a, it, I thought that was a good point. Really good stuff. The beauty of it too, is that a lot of times, if the if that core community of a couple thousand people, even a couple hundred people, if they if they believe in it and they use it on a daily or a weekly basis, there's activity there. They themselves together will create value, right? It's not that they're just sitting waiting, right? They will talk to each other. They will share ideas, right? That's where kind of like the access piece of NFTs and utility and community is very interesting, because if you if you put together a thousand people who largely share the same beliefs and, you know, largely uh, interact online in the same way, naturally they're going to kind of continue to do that and, and put out really interesting things. So as kind of a follow-on step from, from Yuga, you know, if Yuga can build the, the mechanics of it and you're not messing around in, in, in the other side and getting stuck and laggy and, and, you know, you look at your, your little, your little satchel and all your weapons are gone for some reason or something, right? If they can actually execute, then the next step becomes, okay, we've built it, you know, who will come and, and what will they do? Right. And, and that's, that's kind of like the next layer. That's, that's super interesting to me. Yeah. You've had some good hits here recently, man. You mentioned Moonbirds. you got into Moonbirds, and it, it, I thought it was going to pull back. You had strong, you know, uh, 
a vindication that it was going to do it. And it it completed. The, I mean, I, I think it's sitting at like 40 or 30 ETH or something like that at this point, which is great. Uh, you also I think we were talking about t- 10K TF and uh, in, in that shop uh, a little bit. Me and you were kind of exchanging message, messages back and forth. Are there any other plays you want to uh, touch on before we hop off here? That you're looking at? I think 10K TF is, is the big one. Um, supposedly, Beeple and, and some other folks are behind that. Um, they're announcing something tomorrow on the 5th. So I don't know if that's today, depending on when people are listening to it. But, um, you know, there there is a, a 10K TF collection of different metaverse clothes, wearables, right, of shoes and backpacks and hats and things that basically various NFT communities have gone out and created already. So you have like a board ape backpack or a mutant ape backpack or a, a you know, ON1, you know, shoe or something like this. But then on top of that, where I'm more interested is you have the 10 KTF stock room, which is all blanks. So kind of the 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 rumor mill that has been going around for a while is that um, 10 KTF, who has this awesome story about this this uh store owner named wag me san right we're all gonna make it i don't know if san stands for anything but wag me san um it's wag me san like uh like like uh japanese i think okay gotcha yeah see i i'm not i'm not that far down the rabbit hole um like dan like daniel san you know daniel san got it wax on wax off got it okay beautiful i'm learning something every day um you know they're they're they have you can kind of see like the core components of of what they're trying to do here with digital wearables and the the rumor the conspiracy theory is that it's going to be directly connected to um other side and and kind of how your your coda or your board ape or whatever they're going to allow into other side um is able to to kind of dress and 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 level up so that's what um that's that's kind of the biggest one but I, i would say the biggest um thing that's happening in nft markets right now is that you're seeing kind of this big hot ball of money as a lot of people will call it move from project to project right so i'll give you an example um in the in the lead up to other side obviously the board apes and the mutant apes started pumping right um because you needed one of those in order to be airdropped to land you could try and buy one but of course that had its issue and then you had to buy ApeCoin, which is the the reason that ApeCoin pumped, but you saw this massive floor price increase on MAYC and and BAYC. And as soon as that land was delivered and people claimed it, you started to see both floors fall. At the same time, you saw the Doodle floor increase, right? You saw the Moonbird floor increase. So I think what a lot of the biggest traders and NFT enthusiasts are doing is they're kind of seeing this broader crypto market is very much in its shell. It's very much in hibernation. But the NFT market has been able to, to, to generate so much capital and so much profit for people that there's enough of this hot ball of money that's floating around from project to project that they can trade it and they can follow those flows. Crypto is largely where are flows, where, where, where are dollar flows going? And what is the narrative to support that for new entrants or current entrants into the market? Um, so, you know, I think now, unless Yuga like has other side ready in the coming weeks, I think we're going to start to see, and we've already seen it with some of the the less attractive plots of land, going to start to see that market kind of come off a little bit. You know, you might have a rare sold here or there, you know, some sort of mega coda or something like that, um, sold here or there. But I think largely you're going to start to see things flow into some of the other blue chips because those blue chips 
are going to do the same thing that Yuga did. They're going to come out with an announcement of an announcement. You know, Doodles had one in their Discord that was like, we're going to blow the top off this thing. So naturally, people will, will jump into that one. But um, yeah, I think I think um, as far as something that's that's somewhat easily priced um, or, or, or um, easy to get into for somebody who's not a, a huge NFT fan, the, the 10K TF, you know, you can go there and spend a couple ETH or less than an ETH and pick up, you know, a blank blank pair of shoes or something that, you know, I think the shoes have like 800 total of them. So if you've got 10,000 Kodas or 10,000 BAYCs and uh, everybody wants a pair of shoes for, for other side, and there's only 800 of them, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple supply and demand. Um, and, and the way that liquidity works in NFTs, it's just, it's, it's just going to fly. But again, not financial advice. That's one that I like. Yeah, well, guys, we're wrapping up here, uh, and I appreciate everybody kind of uh, putting in some comments here in the chat. I was just kind of searching Alluvium, right? Alluvium's got a land sale coming up. I was looking into their uh, in-game currency. I believe it's SILV two. I some of the some of the naming mechanisms there with that with that second one uh, are are a little weird, but uh, they have a land sale coming up. I'm interested in Alluvium. I still need my beta access. I think I'm going to get it pretty soon, uh, but. but Dimitri wasn't kidding, man. The market is is freaking pumping right now. I don't know if you if you're watching, but but you you hit you hit Gecko there, and uh, it's looking pretty green across the market. So I'm sure maybe you've got some things going on uh, here after the the show uh, goes live. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna kind of touch on before we pop out here, man? It's it's been a it's been a journey uh, since 2016, uh, and and it's gonna continue being a journey. I think uh, we'll see where we we are at. Uh, in the next coming years, but it's, it's been fun, man. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's been a blast. And I think, you know, there's, maybe there's a lot of people out there listening or, or, or kind of following us along live here who are down bad. Right. And, and just kind of trying to hang on. And, and that's typically the best advice that people give at the, at the end of any of these shows is just, just survive, right. Continue to put yourself in a place where you can uh, hear about or find the opportunity. Um, if you, you know, if you want to just hold shib and, or, or, or doge or one of these meme coins and, and put all your money into it and hope it goes up and that's all you want to do, go for it. Right. But history shows that if you, if you get excited about this, if you're actually passionate about it, um, if you, if you go out and are, are curious about other communities versus just being a BTC maxi or an ETH maxi, that's where you're going to not only, only be able to survive, but you're able to get, you know going to be able to really get in early on this stuff. And if you've got a thousand bucks to play with, you know, and you put in a hundred bucks into 10 different things, that's really all you need. And you can go from a thousand bucks to a hundred thousand bucks, um, over the course of a, of a bear market in a bull market cycle. Um, but, but I think people get caught up on kind of making money quick and they put the whole thousand bucks into SHIB or the whole thousand bucks into Doge. It goes down and it's worth 400 bucks and, and you kind of leave and, and you kind of move on until that bull market returns and you, you, you try to do the same thing. You put another thousand bucks in and, and you, you know, your timing is, uh, your timing is really poor. So just, uh, you know, hang in there. Always happy to come on the show, man. It's a, is an absolute blast. Love, love what you've done with it. And, um, yeah, man, I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on that 10 KTF tomorrow. I think, I think markets are pumping because, uh, the FOM, FOMC, meeting you know the the, the fed stuff uh, maybe he he said something nice to markets or um maybe people were kind of waiting to to make sure there weren't any surprises there um but uh 
you know, we'll see 40, 40 K and three K on BTC and ether. Not an easy, not an easy level to overcome as we've seen over the last few months. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it's been a. Uh, I, I want to get to some of the comments here. Uh, Flubber saying, uh, "Let's LFG OV, our vibe, our tribe." Easy and crypto saying, "Our vibe, our tribe." Uh, Hash rhymes as well saying, "Awesome episode." Uh, when Dimitri's desk, but uh, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know when to. Uh, I don't know how to kind of end this. I definitely want to get an our vibe, our tribe uh, for, of you as we like kind of put together a highlight video. And not many people know like the evolution that this channel itself. Uh, has made over the the, the times and, and really we're going to make we're, we're going to be making our final evolution here soon I think you know uh, for for the channel which is going to be awesome and it's been a long run and and like I said earlier it's it's awesome to just experience it with you but yeah whenever you want to come on man you want to come on NFT live you want to come back on the nifty Q show uh, we can definitely talk about it uh, and and let's make it happen so uh, shout out to everybody out there man go ahead go ahead yeah, it's it's been a hell of a ride. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be a part of uh, the community. It's definitely our vibe, our tribe, no doubt about it. Um, you know, keep keep hanging with us. Good times are coming. I promise. Right, you're not in the wrong place here. You just got to hang on. There you go, man. All right. We're getting out of here. I'm not going to be here tomorrow, folks, for another Nifty Q show. I've got DJ Savage hosting the NFT Live on Friday, uh, and I will see you guys early next week. Our vibe, our tribe. See you later.